And hello to Twitch as well. How y'all doing? I just sort of realized, like, it might be wise for me to sort of, like, meter my voice. Um, because, you know, I, I get into sort of, like, you know, projection mode and all that, but, you know, I might have to... I, I can bring it back down a little bit. I can bring it back down and not do anybody any any harm. Just save myself a little bit of, a uh, little bit of that vocal heat. So I'll give it a shot. We'll see. Now, we got quite a bit left to do here, so... I'm going to launch right back into it. I see there's some discussion of 10 candles, which I have not played it myself. It looks fascinating. I would love to check it out at some point. I don't know how people are doing it remotely because it seems like being in person would be pretty important for that. But hey, that's all right. Uh, not not as tough as uh, maybe Dread for being in person, but I really, I think Dread for me, for whatever reason, seems like the one I really, the, the, the like suspense RPG I really really want to try out so that one like dread and ten candles they all look super cool um, everyone everyone is John or everybody is John uh, is another one that I've seen that you might want to check out it is not like suspense themed by any means but it's an interesting and weird one in the same in, in similar ways uh, Dahlia says, oh, so for 10 candles run by our member, they request for the candles to be in view of the camera. Okay, so everyone, like, lights a candle sort of in their own background. Like, like these goofs. Like these little goofers up here. Kerfo says, I'm a teacher and I have to pretty much scream over the fans to be heard. And I know how much my voice hurts at the end of the day. Definitely take it easy, Sam. I'm going to, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tone it back a little bit. There's a reason why I, it, either, either. I should tone it a little uh, back a little bit, or keep my AC on if I'm just gonna shout over it anyway. No sense I'm being hot and strained. No sense in it at all. A bit of review. I'll I'll turn this off once I've done my review, because <laughs> it's it's getting a little it's getting a little hot in here here in the shop. Um, y'all. A bit of review. We're at the beginning of book three of the Percy Jackson and the Olympian series. This is the Titan's Curse. We don't know what that means yet. Uh, what we do know is. We are down in Annabeth and up to Half-Bloods. Bianca and Nico D'Angelo, um, they are going to be taken to camp. Uh, Percy's kind of going to escort them there, but it's th the only reason for that is that uh, Artemis is going on a solo hunt without all of her hunters. Uh, these hunters who rescued Percy and most of the rest of them from uh, this manticore fight at the very top. Very top of the story. Um, Bianca has decided to join the hunters permanently and will go and travel with them once uh, once they are no longer um, uh, you know, once once Artemis is finished with this solo hunt uh, but she seems pretty insistent that there is some very notable monster that has not been present for a long time and she's going to have to hunt it alone so, she summons her brother uh, the god Artemis uh, nope, the god Apollo uh, and Apollo shows up and gives him a sweet ride in his sweet ride. Uh, he lets Talia drive, and Talia seems pretty anxious up in the air for some reason. Perhaps we will discover why later on. But of course, uh, we are now back at camp, and uh, that means kind of we're at our we're at our sort of stasis point. We're at our our mid our center line, so we can sort of get a sense for how is how are things here at the core, here at camp. We're back at, you know, back at the camp. It's like being back at Hogwarts, etc. It's like being back in uh, Sherlock Holmes's apartment. 
we're at that center line, so we can see how things have changed. That's what I want y'all to keep an eye on as we proceed on to our next chapter. The moment I am able to... There we go. Good lord. Pay no attention to my OBS being an absolute, like, wild card and not letting me navigate around. And then I made the mistake of, like, clicking on one of my totally non-active scenes. Uh, it's just a place where I keep some copy-paste assets, and, uh, yeah, then it went ahead and just left me there. <laughs> There's no face cam on that one, so it just looked like I was gone. It just said, art, up in the corner. <laughs> All right, let's do this thing. Plague Deity says, man, we need Apollo to, Apollo to sing a song. Maybe some Red Hot Chili Peppers. Now that, that could actually be totally good. Um, I would say my familiarity with the, with the, uh, the catalog is pretty decent. It's fun stuff to uh, learn to play drums to. Can't stop addicted to the shindig. <laughs> Maybe we'll give it a shot. All right, folks. Uh, believe it or not, it wasn't just a black screen. It was a black screen except up in the very top left-hand corner up here. There's a little, it's just the word art. <laughs> Other than that, everything else is invisible, so it just looks like a totally black screen. <laughs> All right. All right. Now, everyone, I feel that it is time. Chapter 5. I place an underwater phone call. I'd never seen Camp Half-Blood in winter before, and the snow surprised me. See, the camp has the ultimate magic climate control. Nothing gets inside the borders unless the director, Mr. D, wants it to. I thought it would be warm and sunny, but instead the snow had been allowed to fall lightly. Frost covered the chariot track and the strawberry fields. The cabins were decorated with tiny flickering lights, like Christmas lights, except they seemed to be balls of real fire. More lights glowed in the house. More. See, I said real flyer because I saw Miss Molly Bloom and I saw, I thought it was Molly Bloom and then I saw it was Molly Bloom, so I had an L on the brain. The cabins were decorated with tiny flickering lights, like Christmas lights, except they seemed to be tiny balls of real fire. More lights glowed in the woods, and weirdest of all, a fire flickered in the attic window of the big house, where the oracle dwelt, imprisoned in the old mummified body. I wondered if the spirit of Delphi was roasting marshmallows up there or something. Miss Molly, welcome to the stream. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, welcome to the punk ruffians. I think we're, we're kind of like rebranding, I guess. I don't know. Welcome to the stream. Good to see you. Whoa. Nico said as he climbed off the bus. Is that a climbing wall? Yeah, I said. Why is there lava pouring down it? A little extra challenge. Come on, I'll show you to Chiron. Zoe, have you met? I know, Chiron, Zoe said stiffly. Tell him we will be in cabin eight. Hunters, follow me. I'll show you the way, Grover offered. We know the way. Oh, Really, it's no trouble. It's easy to get lost here if you don't... He tripped over a canoe and came up, still talking. 
like my old daddy goat used to say, come on. Zoe rolled her eyes, but I guess she figured there was no getting rid of Grover. The hunters shouldered their packs and their bows and headed off toward the cabins. As Bianca D'Angelo was leaving, she leaned over and whispered something in her brother's ear. She looked at him for an answer, but... She looked at him for an answer, but Nico just scowled and turned away. Take care, sweethearts, Apollo called after the hunters. He winked at me. Watch out for those prophecies, Percy. I'll see you soon. What do you mean? Instead of answering, he hopped back into the bus. Later, Talia, he called. And, uh, be good. He gave her a wicked smile as if he knew something she didn't. Then he closed the doors and revved the engine. I turned aside as the sun chariot took off in a blast of heat. When I looked back, the lake was steaming. A red Maserati soared over the woods, glowing brighter and climbing higher until it disappeared in a ray of sunlight. Nico was still looking grumpy. I wondered what his sister had told him. Who's Chiron? he asked. I don't have his figurine. Uh, our activities director, I said. He's... well, you'll see. If those hunter girls don't like him, Grover grumbled. Nope, Nico grumbled. That's good enough for me. Let's go. The only thing that surprised me about camp was how empty it was. I mean, I knew most half-bloods only trained during the summer. Just the year-rounders would be here, the ones who didn't have homes to go to, or would get attacked by monsters too much if they left. But there didn't seem to be many of them, either. I spotted Charles Beckendorf from the Hephaestus cabin, stoking the forge outside the camp armory. The Stoll brothers, Travis and Connor, from the Hermes cabin, were picking the lock on the camp store. A few kids from the Ares cabin were having a snowball fight with wood nymphs at the edge of the forest. That was about it. Even my old rival from the Ares cabin, Clarice, didn't seem to be around. The big house was decorated with strings of red and yellow fireballs that warmed the porch, but didn't seem to catch anything on fire. Inside, flames crackled in the hearth. The air smelled like hot chocolate. And Mr. D, the camp director, was playing cards with Chiron at the corner of the parlor. I got off on the wrong trail with that one, and I just I tried to rescue it, and y'all can hear how that usually works out for me. The air smelled like hot chocolate. Mr. D, the camp director, and Chiron were playing a quiet game of cards in the parlor. Chiron's brown beard was shaggier for the winter. His curly hair had grown a little longer. He wasn't posing as a teacher this year, so I guess he could afford to be casual. He wore a fuzzy sweater with a hoof print design on it, and he had a blanket on his lap that almost hid his wheelchair completely. He smiled when he saw us. Percy! Talia! Oh, this must be... Nico D'Angelo, I said. He and his sister are half-bloods. Chiron breathed a sigh of relief. <sighs> you succeeded, then. Well... His smile melted. What's wrong? And where is Annabeth? Oh, dear, Mr. D said in a bored voice. Uh, not another one lost. 
I've been trying not to pay attention to Mr. D, but he was kind of hard to ignore in his neon orange leopard skin warm-up suit and his purple running shoes. Like Mr. D had ever run a day in his immortal life. A golden laurel wreath was tilting sideways on his curly black hair, which must have meant he'd won the last hand of cards. What do you mean? Tally asked. Who else is gone? Just then, Grover trotted into the room, grinning like crazy. He had a black eye and red lines on his face that looked like a slap mark. The hunters are all moved in. Chiron frowned. The hunters? Eh, I see we shall have much to talk about. He glanced at Nico. Grover, perhaps you would take our young friend to the den and show him our orientation film. But, oh, right, yes, sir. Orientation film? Nico asked. Is it PG or G? Because Bianca is kind of strict. It's PG-13, Grover said. Cool. Nico happily followed him out of the room. Now, Chiron said to Talia and me, perhaps you two will sit down and tell us the whole story. When we were done, Chiron turned to Mr. D. We should launch a search for Annabeth immediately. I'll go, Talia and I both said at the same time. Mr. D sniffed. Certainly not. Talia and I both started complaining, but Mr. D held up his hand. He had that purplish, angry fire in his eyes that usually meant something bad and godly was going to happen if we didn't shut up. From what you've told me, Mr. D said... We have broken even on this little escapade. We have uh, regrettably lost Annabelle. Annabeth, I snapped. She'd gone to camp since she was seven, and still Mr. D pretended not to know her name. Uh, yeah, 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 he said. Uh, you procured a small, annoying boy to replace her. So I see no point risking further half-bloods and a ridiculous rescue. The possibility is very great that... This Annie girl is dead. I wanted to strangle Mr. D. It wasn't fair Zeus had sent him here to dry out as camp director for a hundred years. It was meant as a punishment for Mr. D's bad behavior on Olympus, but it ended up being a punishment for all of us. Annabeth may be alive, Chiron said, but I could tell he was having trouble sounding upbeat. He'd practically raised Annabeth all those years. She was a year-round camper. Before, she'd lived with her dad and stepmom on a second try. She's very bright. If, if our enemies have her, she will try to play for time. She may even pretend to cooperate. That's right, Talia said. Luke would want her alive. In which case, said Mr. D, I'm afraid she'll have to be smart enough to escape on her own. I got up from the table. Percy? Chiron's tone was full of warning. In the back of my mind, I knew Mr. D was not somebody to mess with. Even if you were an impulsive ADHD kid like me, he wouldn't give you any slack. But I was so angry, I didn't care. You're gonna lose another camper, I said. You'd like it if we all disappeared. Mr. D stifled a yawn. He, he got a point, 
Yeah, I growled. Just because you were sent here as a punishment doesn't mean you gotta be a lazy jerk. This is your civilization too. Maybe you could try helping out a little bit. For a second, there was no sound except the crackle of the fire. The light reflected in Mr. D's eyes, giving him a sinister look. He opened his mouth to say something, probably a curse that would smash me to smithereens, and Nico burst into the room, followed by Grover. So cool, Nico yelled, holding out his hands to Chiron. So you're, you're a centaur. Chiron managed a nervous smile. Yes. Mr. D'Angelo, if you please, though I prefer to stay in human form in this wheelchair for, um, first encounters. Whoa. He looked at Mr. D. You're the wine dude. No way. Mr. D turned his eyes away from me and gave Nico a look of loathing. The, the wine dude? Dionysus, right? Oh, wow. I've got your figurine. More figurine. In my game, Myth of Magic. And a holofoil card, too. And even though you've only got like a f 500 attack points and everyone thinks you're the lamest god card, I totally think your powers are sweet. Uh, uh... Mr. D seemed truly perplexed, which probably saved my life. Well, that's... Gratifying. Percy, Chiron said quickly. You and Talia go down to the cabins. Inform the campers we'll be playing Capture the Flag tomorrow evening. Capture the Flag? I asked. But don't we have enough? It is a tradition, Chiron said. A friendly match whenever the hunters visit. Yeah, Talia muttered. I bet it's real friendly. Chiron jerked his head toward Mr. D, who was still frowning as Nico talked about how many defense points all the gods had in his game. Run along now, Chiron told us. Oh, right, Talia said. Come on, Percy. She hauled me out of the big house before Dionysus could remember he wanted to kill me. You've already got arrows on your bad side. Talia reminded me as we trudged through the cabins. You need another immortal enemy? She was right. My first summer as a camper, I'd gotten in a fight with Ares, and now he and all of his children wanted to kill me. I didn't need to make Dionysus mad, too. Sorry, I said. I couldn't help it. It's so unfair. She stopped by the armory and looked out across the valley, toward the top of Half-Blood Hill. Her pine tree was still there, the golden fleece glittering in its lowest branch. The tree's magic still protected the borders of the camp, but it no longer used Talia's spirit for power. Percy, everything is unfair, Talia muttered. Sometimes I wish... She didn't feel it. She didn't finish, but her tone was so sad I felt sorry for her. With her ragged black hair and her black punk clothes and an old wool overcoat wrapped around here, she looked like some kind of huge raven, completely out of place in the white landscape. We'll get Annabeth back, I promised. I just don't know how yet. First I find out that Luke is lost, she said. Now Annabeth. 
don't think like that. You're right, she straightened up. We'll find a way. Over at the basketball court, a few of the hunters were shooting hoops. One of them was arguing with a guy from the Ares cabin. The Ares kid had his hand on his sword, and the hunter girl looked like she was going to exchange her basketball for a bow and arrow at any second. I'll break that up, Talia said. You circulate around the cabins. Tell everybody about Capture the Flag tomorrow. All right. You should be team captain. No, no, she said. You've been at camp longer. You do it. We can, uh, we can co-captain or something. She looked about as comfortable with that as I felt, but she nodded. As I headed for the court, I said, Hey, Dahlia. Yeah? I'm sorry for what happened at Westover. I should have waited for you guys. It's okay, Percy. I probably would have done the same thing. She shifted from foot to foot like she was trying to decide whether or not to say more. You know, you asked me about my mum. I kind of snapped at you. I just... I went back to find her after seven years. Find out she died in Los Angeles. She, um... She was a heavy drinker and apparently she was out driving late one night. About two years ago, and... Talia blinked hard. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, it's not like we were ever close. I ran away when I was ten. Best two years of my life when I was running around with Luke and Annabeth, but still. That's why you had trouble in the sun van. She gave me a wary look. What do you mean? The way that you stiffened up, you must have been thinking about your mom, not wanting to get behind the wheel. I was sorry I'd said anything. Talia's expression was dangerously close to Zeus's. The one time I'd seen him get angry, like any minute her eyes would shoot a zillion volts. Yeah, she muttered. Yeah, that must have been it. She trudged off toward the court where the Ares camper and the hunter were trying to kill each other with a sword and a basketball. The cabins were the weirdest collection of buildings I've ever seen. Zeus and Hera's big, white-columned buildings, cabins one and two, stood in the middle with five gods' cabins on the left and five goddesses' cabins on the right, so they all made a U-shape around the central green and the barbecue hearth. I made the rounds, telling everybody about Capture the Flag. I woke up some Ares kid from his midday nap and he yelled at me to go away. When I asked him where Clarice was, he said, Went on a quest for Chiron, top secret. Is she okay? I haven't heard from her in a month, she's missing an action. Like your butt's going to be if you don't get out of here. I decided to let him go back to sleep. Finally, I got to cabin three. The cabin of Poseidon. It was a low gray building hewn from sea stone, with shells and coral fossils imprinted on the rock. Inside, it was just as empty as always, except for my bunk. A minotaur horn hung on the wall next to my pillow. 
I took Annabeth's baseball cap out of my backpack and set it on my nightstand. I'd give it to her when I found her. And I would find her. I took up my wristwatch and activated the shield. It creaked noisily as it spiraled out. Dr. Thorne's spines had dented the brass in a dozen places. One gash kept the shield from opening all the way, so it looked like a pizza with two slices missing. The beautiful metal pictures that my brother had crafted were all banged up. In the picture of me and Annabeth fighting the Hydra, it looked like a meteor had made a crater in my head. I hung the shield on its hook next to the Mintar horn, but it was painful to look at now. Maybe Beckendorf from the Hephaestus cabin could fix it for me. He was the best armorsmith in the camp. I would ask him at dinner. I was staring at the shield when I noticed a strange sound. Water gurgling, and I realized there was something new in the room. At the back of the cabin was a big basin of gray sea rock, with a spout like the head of a fish carved into the stone. Out of its mouth burst a stream of water a salt water spring that trickled into the pool. The water must have been hot because it sent a mist into the cold winter air like a sauna. It made the room feel warm and summery, fresh with the smell of the sea. I stepped up to the pool. There was no note attached or anything, but I knew it could only be a gift from Poseidon. I looked into the water and said, Thanks, Dad. The surface rippled. At the bottom of the pool, coins shimmered, a dozen or so golden drachma. I realized what the fountain was for. It was a reminder to keep in touch with my family. I opened the nearest window, and the wintry sunlight made a rainbow in the mist. Then I fished out a coin from the hot water. Iris, oh goddess of the rainbow, I said. Accept my offering. I tossed a coin into the mist and it disappeared. Then I realized I didn't know who to contact first. My mom? That would have been the good son thing to do, but she wouldn't be worried about me yet. She was used to me disappearing for a few days at a time, even weeks. My father? It had been way too long, almost two years since I'd actually talked to him. But could you even send an iris message to a god? I'd never tried. Would it make them mad, like a sales call or something? I hesitated. Then I made up my mind. Show me Tyson, I requested, at the forges of the Cyclops. The mist shimmered, and the image of my half-brother appeared. He was surrounded by fire, which would have been a problem if he weren't a Cyclops. He was bent over an anvil, hammering a red-hot sword blade. Sparks flew and flames swirled around his body. There was a marble-framed window behind him, and it looked out onto dark blue water, the bottom of the ocean. Tyson! I yelled. He didn't hear me at first because the hammering and the roar of the flames. Tyson! He turned, and his one enormous eye widened. His face broke into a crooked yellow grin. Mmm, Percy. He dropped the sword blade and ran at me, trying to give me a hug. The vision blurred and I instinctively lurched back. Tyson, it's, a, it's an iris message. I'm not really here. 
Oh. Hmm. He came back into view, looking embarrassed. Hmm. Oh, I knew that. Yes. Hmm. How are you? I asked. How's the job? His eye lit up. Love the job. <laughs> Look! He picked up the hot sword blade with his bare hands. Mm, I made this. <laughs> That's really cool. I wrote my name on it. Right here. <laughs> awesome. Hey, listen. Do you talk to Dad much? Tyson's smile faded. Hmm... Mm, not much. Daddy is busy. He is worried about the war. What do you mean? Tyson sighed. He stuck the sword blade out the window where it made a cloud of boiling bubbles. When Tyson brought it back in, the metal was cool. Old sea spirits making trouble. Aegaios mm. uh, Oceanus mm. uh, Those guys mm. I sort of knew what he was talking about He meant the immortals who ruled the ocean Back in the days of the Titans Before the Olympians took over The fact that they were back now With the Titan Lord Kronos and his allies gaining strength Was not good Is there anything I can do? I asked. Tyson shook his head, sadly. Hmm. Hmm. We are arming the mermaids. They need a thousand more swords by tomorrow. Hmm. He looked at his sword blade inside. Hmm. Old spirits are protecting the bad boat. Hmm. The Princess Andromeda? I said. Luke's boat? Yes. They make it hard to find. Hmm. Protected from daddy's storms. Hmm. Otherwise he would smash it. Smashing it would be good. Tyson perked up as if he'd had just another thought. Hmm. Hmm. Annabeth. Is she there? Oh, uh, well. My heart felt like a bowling ball. Tyson thought Annabeth was just about the coolest thing since peanut butter, and he seriously loved peanut butter. I didn't have the heart to tell him she was missing. He'd start crying so bad he'd probably put out his fires. Uh, no, she... she's not here right now. Hmm. <laughs> tell her hello. Hmm. He beamed. Hello to Annabeth. Hmm. Okay. I fought back a lump in my throat. I'll do that. And Percy, hmm. Mm, do not worry about the bad boat. Hmm. It is going away. What do you mean? Hmm, Panama Canal. Hmm, very far away. I frowned. Why would Luke take his demon-infested cruise ship all the way down there. The last time we'd seen him, he'd been cruising along the East Coast, recruiting half-bloods and training his monstrous army. All right, I said, not feeling reassured. That's good, I guess. 
In the forges, a deep voice bellowed something I couldn't make out. Tyson flinched. Mm, got to get back to work. Boss will be mm, mad. Mm, good luck, brother. Okay, tell Dad. But before I could finish, the vision shimmered and faded. I was alone again in my cabin, feeling even lonelier than before. I was pretty miserable at dinner that night. I mean, the food was excellent, as usual. You can't go wrong with barbecue, pizza, and never-ending soda goblets. The torches and braziers kept the outdoor pavilion warm, but we all had to sit with our cabin mates, which meant I was alone at the Poseidon table. Talia sat alone at the Zeus table, but we couldn't sit together. Camp rules. At least the Festus, Ares, and Hermes cabins had a few people each. Nico sat with the Stoll brothers, since new cabbers always got stuck in the Hermes cabin if their Olympian parent was unknown. The Stoll brothers seemed to be trying to convince Nico that poker was a much better game than mythomagic. I hoped Nico didn't have any money to lose. The only table that really seemed to be having a good time was the Artemis table. The hunters drank and ate and laughed like one big happy family. Zoe sat at the head like she was the mama. She didn't laugh as much as the others, but she did smile from time to time. Her silver lieutenant's band glittered on the dark braids of her hair. I thought she looked a lot nicer when she smiled. Bianca D'Angelo seemed to be having a great time. She was trying to learn how to arm wrestle from a big girl who'd picked a fight with the Aries kid on the basketball court. The bigger girl was beating her every time, but Bianca didn't seem to mind. When we'd finished eating, Chiron made the customary toast to the gods and formally welcomed the hunters of Artemis. The clapping was pretty half-hearted. When he announced the goodwill capture the flag game for tomorrow night, it got a lot better reception. Afterward, we all trailed back to our cabins for an early winter lights out. I was exhausted, which meant I fell asleep easily. That was the good part. The bad part was I had a nightmare, and even by my standards, it was a whopper. Annabeth was on a dark hillside, shrouded in fog. It almost seemed like the underworld because I immediately felt claustrophobic and couldn't see the sky above. Just a close, heavy darkness, as if I were in a cave. Annabeth struggled up the hill. Old, broken Greek columns of black marble were scattered around as though something had been blasting huge buildings to ruins. Thorn, Annabeth cried. Where are you? Why did you bring me here? She scrambled over a section of broken wall and came up to crest the hill. And she gasped. There was Luke. And he was in pain. He was crumpled on the rocky ground, trying to rise. The blackness seemed to be thicker around him, fog swirling hungrily. His clothes were in tatters, and his face was scratched and drenched with sweat. Annabeth, he called. Help me. Please. She ran forward. I tried to cry out. He's a traitor. Don't trust him. 
but my voice didn't work in the dream. Annabeth had tears in her eyes. She reached down like she wanted to touch Luke's face, but at the last second, she hesitated. What happened? she asked. They left me here, Luke groaned. Please, it's killing me. I couldn't see what was wrong with him. He seemed to be struggling against some invisible curse as though the fog were squeezing him to death. Why should I trust you? Annabeth asked. Her voice was filled with hurt. You shouldn't. You shouldn't, Luke said. I've been terrible to you. But if you don't help me, I'll die. Let him die, I wanted to scream. Luke had tried to kill us in cold blood too many times. He didn't deserve anything from Annabeth. Then the darkness above Luke began to crumble. Like a cavern roof in an earthquake, huge chunks of black rock began falling. Annabeth rushed in just as the crack appeared and the whole ceiling dropped. She held it. Somehow. Tons of rock. She kept it from collapsing on her and Luke just with her own strength. It was impossible. She shouldn't have been able to do that. Luke rolled free, gasping. Thanks, he managed. Help me hold it, Annabeth groaned. Luke caught his breath. His face was covered in grime and sweat. He rose unsteadily. I knew I could count on you. He began to walk away as the trembling blackness threatened to crush Annabeth. Help me, she pleaded. Oh, don't worry, Luke said. Your help is on the way. It's all part of the plan. In the meantime, try not to die. The ceiling of darkness began to crumble again, pushing Annabeth against the ground. I sat bolt upright in bed, clawing at the sheets. There was no sound in my cabin except the gurgle of the saltwater spring. The clock on my nightstand read just after midnight. <sighs> Only a dream. But I was sure of two things. Annabeth was in terrible danger, and Luke was responsible. Okay, that is the end of our fifth and longest chapter, but the second one is not far behind. The sixth one is not far behind. So let us talk very, very briefly, and then a very brief uh, bit of review, and then <clears throat> some quick reading. Um, Dali says, poor buddy, I hope you're not getting sick. Was that referring to me? Because if it was, I'm a little concerned that y'all can hear when I make noise. Tell me... If I go like this, A, B, C, D. 
you shouldn't have been able to hear like E. You, it should have stopped right after D. Or A B C D. Yeah, <laughs> should have stopped right after D. You can hear me saying the alphabet. Did you hear me get all the way to H? How can you hear that? Is it a Discord thing? I might have something wrong in Discord. Oh, it is Discord, isn't it? Yeah, Discord. I've got it. I've got it set to pick up my mic because I was in sort of like emergency mode. But no, it should be picking up voice mod instead. Is what it should be picking up. So hopefully that will that will change things. You heard all of it. You think? Okay. Well, fantastic. Okay, good. So yeah, on Twitch it's gonna cut off after D. Um, but on uh, Discord, y'all have been hearing some fun like gross noises. So I do apologize. This should be better now. A, B, C, D. So I got I got all the way to K there, but you should have stopped hearing it after, after uh, after D. Okay, and it's a good thing we haven't had any voices yet either, like any any voice mod stuff, because otherwise, instead of hearing like the very dramatic and delightful, it's me. You'll just be hearing. It's me, which does not quite convey the point in the same way. Oh, Jade, trust me, you're still very special, but it is for that reason that I wish to protect you from the, the disgusting noises that I have to make, because I don't think I've got a cold, but I, I'm like, I'm going to be a little under the weather. Maybe a little. Eh, we'll find out. All right, folks, a bit of discussion. So, um... Uh, I will, I'll, I'll start it, I'll start by couching this in terms of the review, because I think that'll be easiest. Um, so, for anyone just catching up with this, hello, my name is Sam. This is a marathon, uh, that we're doing here of six chapters, and we got one left. That's, that is it. Then we're done. Uh, and I'm already, like, an hour past my, my typical end time. So, everyone, I thank you very much for being here. My name is Sam. This is Sidecar Stories. I stream Tuesdays through Thursdays, and if you want to find out more about that, I'm not going to tell you. You'll have to go to Discord, okay? Because right now, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta book it. Let's go. We gotta beat street. Let's do it. Um, so, we have been reading the beginning of book three. This is the Titan's Curse. And uh, if you are just now joining us, uh, then a bit of review for you. Percy and his amigos, his his group, are. Um, they have managed to rescue a group, a, a pair, a siblings um, who are half-bloods. We don't know who their their uh, godly parent is. We don't know um, sort of where they come from. They even seem a little bit like hesitant to share about their past, almost as if they're confused. But we are uh, we're traveling with them and uh, we meet up with Artemis and her hunters as, uh, as the, at the very same fight wherein Annabeth is unfortunately plunged off of a cliff, and as we just heard, uh, she apparently has ended up at this strange, like, it seems almost like there is, like, um, stone cavern walls all around. It's hard to tell, um, but we know she has just taken some burden from Luke, and it seems like this was the plan the whole time, to sort of use Luke as bait to, uh, to, to put her here. Sounds like her replacement is on the way, uh, but... Things are not going well for her. Meanwhile, outside, Percy has managed to sort of like bring these two kids to camp, but one of them, Bianca, has decided she's going to join the hunters. Like, eternally. Literally eternally. Um, instead of staying here as a half-blood, like her brother. So, um, 
They've got this sort of these these extra pair to to take on here. The hunters are currently here at the camp because um, Artemis needs to do some solo hunting for some great monster that might sort of uh, really turn the tide of things. An ancient monster that she's not hunted for a long, long time, thousands of years. And that is essentially where we're at. But uh, Luke has just received a dream, which tend for Luke. Nope. Percy has just received a dream, which for Percy tend to be pretty reliable. That indicates Annabeth is in quite a bit of danger. Okay. And at risk of losing steam entirely, there's our review. Um, I would say a, just a quick sort of chatter break question, a bit of a prompt for you, uh, if you're looking for one. Um... Percy is in this position right now where in the past he's always had he's always been going up against this massive quest that he's not sure he's ready for. Now there's a big quest that he's not allowed to go on. Which, you know, of course, we we had a little bit of that before, but you know, he was like he was pretty much like, you know what, I think I'm just going to go ahead and make this happen. I think I'm just going to go ahead and go. I'm just going to go. But at the same time, this one, he doesn't even know where to start. He doesn't know where to go. He doesn't know how to begin this quest. Um, and I think, once again, the it sort of ties back into our earlier chatter break question, which is kind of nice. Um, I think ultimately the question is just, how is Percy changing in response to being kind of powerless compared to how he's been in the previous two books? So, there you are. Y'all, thank you very much for joining me tonight. I know this has been a weird one, uh, and uh, next week, possibly the week after, we will be back at it. If you would like to participate in that vote, head over to the Discord. I think I'll be starting that probably tonight, and it'll probably be done by the weekend if you want to head over there. So, you've got the link. It has just popped up there. Linktree slash sidecar stories. L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash sidecar stories. That's the one. That's the link to share. That's the link to check out if you want to know more, and Discord is the spot to go. Let's do this thing. Final chapter. Good grief. I got this. Let's go. Chapter 6. An old friend comes to visit. The next morning after breakfast, I told Grover about my dream. We sat in the meadow watching the satyrs chase wood nymphs through the snow. The nymphs had promised to kiss the satyrs if they got caught, but they hardly ever did. Usually the nymph would let the satyr get a full head of steam, and then she'd turn into a snow-covered tree, and the poor satyr would just slam headfirst into it and get a pile of snow dumped onto him. When I told Grover about my nightmare, he started twirling his fingers in his shaggy leg fur. Cave ceiling collapsed on her? He asked. Yeah, what the heck does that mean? Grover shook his head. I don't know, but after what Zoe dreamed... Whoa, what do you mean? Zoe had a dream like that? I, I don't know exactly. It was about three in the morning. She came to the big house and demanded to talk to Chiron. She seemed really panicked. Wait, how, how do you know this? Grover blushed. I was sort of camped outside the Artemis cabin. What for? Just to be, you know, near them. You were a stalker with hooves. I'm not. Anyway, I followed her to the big house and hid in a bush and watched the whole thing. 
She got real upset when Argus wouldn't let her in. It was a kind of dangerous scene. I tried to imagine that. Argus was the head of security for the camp, a big blonde dude with eyes all over his body. He rarely showed himself unless it, something serious was going on. I wouldn't want to place bets on a fight between him and Zoe Nightshade. What did she say? I asked. Grover grimaced. Well, she starts talking really old-fashioned when she gets upset, so it was kind of hard to understand. But something about Artemis being in trouble and needing the hunters? And then she called Argus a boil-brained lout. I think that's a bad thing. And then he called her... Wait, 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 wait. How could Artemis be in trouble? I... Well, finally Chiron came out in his pajamas and his horse tail in curlers and... He wears curlers in his tail? Grover covered his mouth. Sorry, I said. Go on. Well, Zoe said that she needed permission to leave the camp immediately. Chiron refused. He reminded Zoe that the hunters were supposed to stay here until they received orders from Artemis. And she said... Grover gulped. She said, How are we to get orders from Artemis if Artemis is lost? What do you mean lost? Like she needs directions? No, I, I think she means gone. Taken. Kidnapped. Kidnapped? I tried to get my mind around the idea. How would you kidnap an immortal goddess? Is that even possible? Well, yeah, I mean, it happened to Persephone. But she was like the goddess of flowers. Grover looked offended. Springtime? Whatever. Artemis is more powerful than that. Who could kidnap her? And why? Grover shook his head miserably. I don't know. Kronos? He can't already be that powerful. Can he? The last time we'd seen Kronos, he'd been in tiny pieces. Well, he... We hadn't actually seen him. Thousands of years ago, after the big titan, God War, the gods had sliced him into bits with his own scythe and scattered his remains to Tartarus, which is like the gods' bottomless recycling bin for their enemies. Two summers ago, Kronos had tricked us to the very edge of the pit and almost pulled us in. Then last summer, on board Luke's demon cruise ship, we'd seen a golden coffin where Luke claimed he was summoning the titan lord out of the abyss, bit by bit every time someone new joined their cause. Kronos could influence people with dreams and trick them, but I didn't see how he could physically overcome Artemis if he was still just kind of a pile of evil bark mulch. I don't know, Grover said. I think somebody would want... I think somebody would know if Kronos had reformed. The gods would be more nervous, but still it's weird. You having a nightmare the same night as Zoe, it's almost like they're connected. I said. Over in the float, over in the frozen meadow, a satyr skidded at his hooves and chased after a red-headed tree nymph. She giggled and held out her arms as he ran toward her. She turned into a scotch pine and he kissed the trunk at top speed. Oh, love, Grover said dreamily. I thought about Zoe's nightmare, which she had only a few hours after mine. I've got to talk to Zoe, I said. Um, before you do... Grover took something out of his coat pocket. It was a three-fold display, like a travel brochure. Just... 
You remember what you said about how it was weird that the hunters just happened to show up at Westover Hall? I think they might have been scouting us. Scouting us? What do you mean? He gave me the brochure. It was about the Hunters of Artemis. The front read, A wise choice for your future. Inside the pictures of young maidens doing hunter stuff, chasing monsters, shooting bows, they had captions like, Health benefits, immortality and what it means for you, and a boy free tomorrow. I found it in Annabeth's backpack, Grover said. I stared at him. I... I don't understand. Well, it seems to me... Maybe Annabeth was thinking about joining. I'd like to say I took the news well. The truth was I wanted to strangle the Hunters of Artemis one eternal maiden at a time. The rest of the day I tried to keep busy, but I was worried sick about Annabeth. I went to javelin throwing class, but the Ares camper in charge chewed me out after I got distracted and threw the javelin at the target before he got out of the way. I apologized for the hole in his pants, but he still sent me packing. I visited the Pegasus stables, but Selena Beauregard from the Aphrodite cabin was having an argument with one of the hunters, and I decided I better not get involved. After that, I sat in the empty chariot stands and sulked. Down at the archery fields, Chiron was conducting target practice. I knew he'd be the best person to talk to. Maybe he could give me some advice, but something held me back. I had a feeling Chiron would try to protect me, like he always did. He might not tell me everything he knew. I looked the other direction. At the top of Half-Blood Hill, Mr. D and Argus were feeding the baby dragon that guarded the Golden Fleece. Then it occurred to me. No one would be at the big house. There was someone else. Something else I could ask for guidance. My blood was humming in my ears as I ran into the house and took up the stairs. I'd only done this once before, and I still had nightmares about it. I opened the trap door and stepped into the attic. The room was dark and dusty and cluttered with junk, just like I remembered. There were shields with monster bites out of them, and swords bent in the shapes of demon heads, and a bunch of taxidermy, like a stuffed harpy and a bright orange python. Over by the window, sitting on a three-legged stool, was the shriveled-up mummy of an old lady in a tie-dye hippie dress. The Oracle. I made myself walk toward her. I waited for green mist to billow from the mummy's mouth like it had before, but nothing happened. Hi, I said. Um, what's up? I winced at how stupid that sounded. Not much could be up when you're dead and stuck in the attic. But I knew the spirit of the oracle was in there somewhere. I could feel a cold presence in the room, like a coiled, sleeping snake. I have a question, I said a little louder. I need to know about Annabeth. How can I save her? No answer. The sun slanted through the dirty attic window, lighting the dust motes dancing in the air. I waited longer. 
Then I got angry. I was being stonewalled by a corpse. Okay, I said. Fine, I'll figure it out myself. I turned and bumped into a huge table full of souvenirs. It seemed more cluttered than the last time I was here. Heroes stored all kinds of things in the attic. Quest trophies they no longer wanted to keep in their cabins, or stuff that held painful memories. I knew Luke had stored a dragon claw somewhere up here. The one that had scarred his face. There was a broken sword hilt labeled, This broke and Leroy got killed, 1999. Then I noticed a pink silk scarf with a label attached to it. I picked up the tag and tried to read it. Scarf of the Goddess Aphrodite. Recovered at Waterland, Denver, Colorado by Annabeth Chase and Percy Jackson. Hmm. I stared at the scarf. I had totally forgotten about it. Two years ago, Annabeth had ripped this scarf out of my hands and said something like, Oh no, no love magic for you. I had just assumed, I had just assumed she'd thrown it away. And yet, here it was. She'd kept it all this time? And why had she stashed it in the attic? I turned to the mummy. She hadn't moved, but the shadows across her face made it look like she was smiling gruesomely. I dropped the scarf and tried not to run toward the exit. That night after dinner, I was seriously ready to beat the hunters at Capture the Flag. It was going to be a small game, only 13 hunters, including Bianca D'Angelo, and about the same number of campers. Zoe Nightshade looked pretty upset. She kept glancing resentfully at Chiron, like she couldn't believe he was making her do this. The other hunters didn't look too happy either. Unlike last night, they weren't laughing or joking around. They just huddled together in the dining pavilion, whispering nervously to each other as they strapped on their armor. Some of them looked like they had been crying. I guess Zoe had told them about her nightmare. On our team, we had Beckendorf and two other Hephaestus guys, a few from the Ares cabin, though it still seemed so strange that Clarice wasn't around, the Stoll brothers, and Nico from the Hermes cabin, and a few Aphrodite kids. It was weird that the Aphrodite cabin wanted to play. Usually, they sat on the sidelines, chatted, checked their reflections in the river and stuff, but when they heard we were fighting the hunters, they were raring to go. I'll show them love is worthless, Selena Beauregard grumbled as she strapped on her armor. I'll pulverize them. That left Talia and me. I'll take offense, Talia volunteered. You take defense. Oh, I hesitated because I'd been about to say the exact same thing, but reversed. Don't you think that with your shield and all, you'd be better defense? Talia already had Aegis on her arm, and even her own teammates were giving her a wide berth, trying not to cower before the bronze head of Medusa. Well, I was thinking I would make a better offense, Talia said. Besides, you've had more practice at defense. I wasn't sure if she was teasing me. I'd had some pretty bad experiences with defense on Capture the Flag. My first year, Annabeth had put me out as kind of a bait, and I'd almost been gored to death with spears and killed by a hellhound. 
Yeah, no problem. I yelled. Oh, I yelled. <laughs> yeah, no problem. I lied. Cool. Talia turned to help some of the Aphrodite kids who were having trouble suiting up their armor without breaking their nails. Nico D'Angelo ran up to me with a big grin on his face. Percy, this is awesome! His blue-feathered bronze helmet was falling onto his eyes, and his breastplate was about six sizes too big. I wondered if there was any way I'd looked that ridiculous when I first arrived. Unfortunately, I probably had. Nico lifted his sword with effort. Do we get to kill the other team? Uh, no. But the hunters are immortal, right? That's only if they don't fall in battle. Besides, it could be awesome if we just, like, resurrected as soon as we were killed so we could keep fighting and... Nico, Nico, this is serious. Real swords, these can hurt. He stared at me, a little disappointed, and I realized I'd sounded just like my mother. Whoa, not a good sign. I patted Nico on the shoulder. Hey, it's... <laughs> it's cool. Just follow the team. Stay out of Zoe's way. We'll have a blast. Chiron's hoof thundered on the pavilion floor. Heroes, he called. You know the rules. The creek is the boundary line. Blue team, Camp Half-Flood shall take the west woods. Hunters of Artemis, red team, shall take the east woods. I shall serve as a referee and battlefield medic. No intentional maiming, please. All magic items are allowed to your positions. Sweet. Nico whispered to me. What kind of magic items? Do I get one? I was about to break it to him that he didn't when Talia said, Blue team, follow me. They cheered and followed. I had to run to catch up and tripped over somebody's shield, so I didn't look like much of a co-captain. More like an idiot. We set our flag at the top of Zeus's fist. It's this cluster of boulders in the middle of the West Woods that, if you look at it just the right way, it looks like a huge fist sticking out of the ground. If you look at it from any other side, it looks like a pile of enormous deer droppings, but Chiron wouldn't let us call it the poop pile, especially after it had been named for Zeus, who doesn't have much of a sense of humor. Anyway, it was a good place to set the flag. The top boulder was about 20 feet tall and really hard to climb, so the flag was clearly visible, like the rules said it had to be, and it didn't matter that the guards weren't allowed to stand within 10 yards of it. I set Nico on guard duty with Beckendorf and the Stoll brothers, figuring he'd be safely out of the way. We'll send the decoy out to the left, Talia told the team. Selena, you lead that. Got it. Take uh, Laurel and Jason. They're good runners. Make a wide arc around the hunters, attract as many as you can. I'll take the main raiding party round to the right and catch them by surprise. Everybody nodded. It sounded good, and Talia said it with such confidence you couldn't help but believe it would work. Talia looked at me. Anything to add, Percy? Uh, yeah, uh, keep sharp on defense. We got four guards, two scouts, that's not much for a big forest. I'll be roving. Yell if you need help. And don't leave your post, Talia said, unless you see a golden opportunity, I added. Talia scowled. Just, just don't leave your post. Right, unless... Percy? 
you touched my arm and shocked me. I mean, anybody can give a static shock in the winter, but when Talia does it, it hurts. I guess it's because her dad is the god of lightning. She's been known to fry off people's eyebrows. Sorry, Talia said, though she didn't sound particularly sorry. Now is everybody clear? Everybody nodded. We broke into our smaller groups, the horn sounded, and the game began. Selena's group disappeared into the woods on the left. Talia's group gave it a few seconds and then darted off to the right. I waited for something to happen. I climbed Zeus's fist and had a good view over the forest. I remembered how the hunters had stormed out of the woods when they fought the manticore, and I was prepared for something like that. One huge charge that could overwhelm us. But nothing happened. I caught a glimpse of Selena and her two scouts. They ran through a clearing, followed by five of the hunters, leading them deep into the woods and away from Talia. The plan seemed to be working. Then I spotted another clump of com- of... <laughs> then I spotted another clump of hunters, heading to the right. Bows ready. They must have spotted Talia. What's happening? Nico demanded, trying to climb up next to me. My mind was racing. Talia would never get through, but the hunters were divided. With that many on either flank, their center had to be wide open. If... if I moved fast... I looked at Beckendorf. Hey, can you guys hold down the fort? Beckendorf snorted. Of course! I'm going in. The Stoll brothers and Nico cheered as I raced toward the boundary line. I was running at top speed, and I felt great. I leapt over the creek into enemy territory. I could see their silver flag up ahead. Only one guard who wasn't even looking in my direction. I heard fighting to my left and my right somewhere in the woods. I had it made. The guard turned at the last minute. It was Bianca D'Angelo. Her eyes widened as I slammed into her and she went sprawling into the snow. Sorry, I yelled. I ripped down the silver flag from the tree and took off. I was ten yards away before Bianca managed to yell for help. I thought I was home free. A silvery cord raced across my ankles and fastened it to the tree next to me. A tripwire fired from a bow. Before I could even think about stopping, I went down hard, sprawling in the snow. Percy, Talia yelled off to my left. What are you doing? Before she reached me, the arrow exploded at her feet. Before she reached me, an arrow exploded at her feet and a cloud of yellow smoke billowed around her team. They started coughing and gagging. I could smell the gas from across the woods, the horrible smell of sulfur. No fair, Talia gasped. Gas arrows are unsportsmanlike. She got up. I got up and started running again. Only a few more yards to the creek and I had the game. More arrows whizzed past my ears. A hunter came out of nowhere and slashed at me with her knife, but I parried and kept running. I heard yelling from our side of the creek. Beckendorf and Nico were running toward me. I thought they were coming to welcome me back, but then I saw they were chasing someone. Zoe Nightshade racing toward me like a cheetah, dodging campers with no trouble. And she had our flag in her hands. No! I yelled and poured on the speed. I was two feet away from the water when Zoe bolted across to her own side, slamming into me for good measure. The hunters cheered as both sides converged on the creek. Chiron appeared out of the woods, looking grim. 
He had the Stoll brothers on his back, and it looked as if both of them had taken some nasty wax to the head. Connor Stoll had two arrows sticking out of his helmet like antenna. Connor Stoll had two arrows sticking out of his helmet like antenna. The hunters win, Chiron announced without pleasure. Then he muttered, For the fifty-sixth time in a row. Perseus Jackson? Talia yelled, storming toward me. She smelled like rotten eggs, and she was so mad that blue sparks flickered in her armor. Everybody cringed and backed up because of Aegis. It took all of my willpower not to cower. What in the name of the gods are you thinking? She bellowed. I balled my fists. I'd had enough bad stuff happen to me for one day. I didn't need this. I got the flag, Talia. I shook it into her face. I saw a chance and I took it. I was at their base, Talia yelled. But the flag was gone. If you hadn't butted in, we would have won. You had too many on you. Oh, so it's my fault. I didn't say that. Ah! Talia pushed me, and a shock went through my body that blew me backward ten feet into the water. Some of the campers gasped. A couple of the hunters stifled laughs. Sorry, Talia said, turning pale. I didn't mean to... Anger roared in my ears. A wave erupted from the creek, blasting into Talia's face and dousing her from head to toe. I stood up. Yeah, I growled. Hey, I didn't mean to either. Talia was breathing heavily. Enough, Chiron ordered, but Talia held out her spear. You want some, seaweed brine? Somehow I was okay when Annabeth called me that. At least I'd gotten used to it. But hearing it from Talia was not cool. Bring it on, pinecone face! I raised Riptide, but before I could defend myself, Talia yelled, and a blast of lightning came down from the sky, hit her spear like a lightning bolt, and slammed into my chest. I sat down, hard. It was a burning smell. I had a feeling it was my clothes. Talia! Chiron said. That is enough! I got to my feet and willed the entire creek to rise. It swirled up, hundreds of gallons of water in an icy funnel cloud. Percy! Chiron pleaded. I was about to hurl it at Talia when I saw something in the woods. I lost my anger and my concentration all at once. The water splashed back down into the creek bed. Talia was so surprised she turned to see what I was looking at. Someone. Something was approaching. It was shrouded in murky green mist, but as it got closer, the campers and hunters gasped. That is impossible, Chiron said. I'd never heard him sound so nervous. It... she has never left the attic. Never. And yet... The withered mummy that held the oracle shuffled forward until it stood in the center of the group. Mist curled around our feet, turning the snow a sickly shade of green. None of us dared to move. Then her voice hissed inside my head. Apparently everyone could hear it because several clutched their hands over their ears. said. Speak.
The oracle regarded me with its cold, dead eyes. Then she turned unmistakably toward Zoe Nightshade. Approach, Seeker. Zoe swallowed. What must I do to help my goddess? The oracle's mouth opened and green mist poured out. I saw the vague image of a mountain and a girl standing at the barren peak. It was Artemis, but she was wrapped in chains fettered to the rocks. She was kneeling, her hands raised as if to fend off an attacker, and it looked as though she was in pain. The oracle spoke. Five shall go west to the hidden. the mist swirled and retreated like a green serpent into the mummy's mouth. The oracle sat down on a rock and became as still as if she'd been in the attic, as if she might sit by this creek for a hundred years. Cheers, folks. <laughs> Just me says, creepy. Yes, indeed. Tuna, how's it going? Just me, welcome. Y'all, you have just caught the very end. That is it. That's the thing. I just did six chapters at the beginning of this book. I typically don't do that many, but if you're wondering who the heck I am and what this is all about, my name is Sam, this is Sidecar Stories, and you can find me doing voice things here Voice things, story things, tabletop RPG things, reading things, Tuesdays through Thursdays. If you want the schedule, you can find it on the Discord. It is going to be right here at the links that are about to pop up. But this is what I do, folks. Um, I use voice mod. I use all sorts of fun stuff to tell y'all stories and to share stories with all of you. Um, 
On Tuesdays, we have got Vintage Sidecar, where we shed some light on classic lit. We have done The Hobbit. We have done Frankenstein. We've done The Great Gatsby. And right now, we are in, like, the very first phases. Uh, we're still in part one of Murder on the Orient Express. So come check that out on Tuesdays, noon Pacific time. Wednesdays, noon Pacific time. Side cannons! That is the tabletop RPG wing of Sidecar Stories, because I think some of the best stories today are being told with the roll of the dice. And finally... On Thursdays, 4 p.m. Pacific instead of noon, we've got this, Flying Sidecar, where we, uh, this is a voice actor's venture through some stories that we all love, and right now we're going through Percy Jackson and the Olympians. Um, this is the beginning of book three, is what we've read tonight, but we're actually up to book four now. Um, we may take another week uh, for some pickups, because that's what this week and last week have been, but then uh, either next week we'll be starting again, or the week after, depending on how the vote goes in Discord. If y'all can tolerate a little bit more of this bouncing around, um, then you will find me here once again, starting with book four of Percy Jackson and the Olympians, the Battle of the Labyrinth, I believe. You can find me here doing that um, very soon. Like I said, either next week or the week after, Discord is absolutely the best spot to be to get all the updates on that. Gwendog says, holy crap, I missed Tuesday. Indeed. Indeed, there's a lot of stuff going on. And in the future, I'm, this, is, this is my message to you in the future, because it's not there yet, but it will be soon. Um, I have been diligently uh, editing and uploading, and uh, I have got, in podcast format, the first five, eh, four and a half-ish books of Harry Potter currently available. Uh, Wherever you find your podcast, go ahead and search for Flying Sidecar. Otherwise, the links are over in the playlists channel over on Discord. Um, you'll find those there. You'll find a link here soon once I've got it in here. Just Me says, have always enjoyed your voices. Well, I am certainly glad to hear it, Just Me. I think this is like one of my first times seeing you here in one of the live shows, so it's good to have you here. Plague Deity says, thanks, Sam. Wonderful read as always. And Plague Deity, thank you for making this... Um, Honestly, making this a stream that's really going to help me to uh, <laughs> make some make some numbers work this month. So I appreciate you an awful lot, Plague Deity. So thanks for hanging out. And thanks for hanging out on Wednesdays. Everyone who's given the non-reading stuff a chance, the tabletop RPG stuff, thank you a million. Uh, we're doing a lot of world building right now, which frankly I find delightful. And y'all have had some fantastic ideas we've been able to integrate so far. And I hope to continue to do so into the future. <laughs> Jade in Discord says, man, that Oracle voice is hard to listen to. I apologize. I hope, um, and I know over on Discord it's a little wild. Um, so, uh, let me give you one more of these and I'll, I'll make a mark for myself. Uh, I should try to remember to edit this in uh, at the end of that chapter. Just a, a recap of that because some folks aren't able to hear it online. That poem, once again, is, Five shall go west to the goddess in chains. One shall be lost in the land without rain. The bane of Olympus shows the trail. Campers and hunters combined prevail. The titans cursed must one withstand, and one shall perish by a parent's hand. And there it is, folks. Everyone, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Plague Deity, thank you a ton for your generosity. Everyone, you, you were, you have been like, you have surprised me with all of your generosity, uh, frankly, over the past couple of weeks. Not because I don't anticipate y'all being generous, because you have been in the past, simply because uh, I was not expecting it to manifest at this time during these weird, like, interim weeks where I'm not doing things normally. So 
Dahlia, Plague Deity, and you're putting me on the edge of a hype train again, which I will do it. I will add side karaoke songs onto the onto the tally if we hit our numbers again, but y'all are absolutely wilding out with these hype trains. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Dahlia, thank you very much for the gift sub. I appreciate you. Plague Deity, thank you very much. Um, for being the, the two sort of loading up the spot, getting ready for if any third person jumps in. Um, but y'all, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you. You're incredible, um, truly incredible. You are the reason why I'm able to look into things like, hey, I gotta host some podcasts now that uh, YouTube has decided they are well done with me. Um, well, yeah, I can go ahead and pull the trigger on that. I can make that happen, no problem. And it's absolutely entirely because of y'all um these hype trains are glorious and if you're looking for another way to support the show um the patreon is i think my favorite way because it lets me sort of give stuff to y'all early and do some special stuff that i don't otherwise get to do um it's certainly not something that i i can do here on twitch so uh y'all i hope you'll check out the patreon as well you'll find it at that same link in the link tree there that is l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e slash sidecar stories that is the link to share, that is the link to visit, and once you're there, definitely go ahead, go ahead and check out the Discord. Sometimes I'm on Twitter, super infrequently. Slightly more frequently, I'm on Instagram, but I am in Discord like every day, just about. So, come and hang out. I would love to see what y'all have been doing with your lives over in the Creativity Channel. I wanna see when y'all are like going live on your live streams and stuff. So, y'all, I mean, don't don't hesitate to share anything and everything over there. I'm about to put in a picture of, as a matter of fact, I'm gonna do it right now. Where's my where's my phone at? I'm about to do it right now. I got a, a picture of my goofy, goofy um, little setup for this light, the thing that I built out of it. And I guess I should include two pictures, shouldn't I? Because Technically, it's uh, it it may need both. All right, where's my picture? So I turned this Discord into <laughs> what I will show you now. Although I'll be honest, it is not particularly grandiose looking at it from this perspective either. <laughs> looking at it from this perspective, it still kind of looks like a bit of a goof em up, and I think it's just because the um, the like. The thing I'm using to stabilize it, the, the the central bar of it, is actually a... Oh boy, you maniacs. I knew it was going to happen. I knew we were, we were at the perfect storm of uh, of Dahlia and um, uh, Memnite fighting back and forth. And now Plague Deity is like, you know what? I'm big shooting today. Today, I'm a big shot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big shot now. Y'all can't touch this. Okay. Ooh, it's kicking off really quickly. <laughs> Y'all some freaks. Hold on. I gotta finish putting this picture in chat. Otherwise, nobody's gonna know what on earth I'm talking about here. Okay, so I took these things together. Uh, let me go ahead and tag it with the, the crafting <laughs> stuff. My new light for... Uh, my new light. It's the blimp. Okay, there you go. So if you want to find that, you can head over to the Creativity Channel over in Discord. All right, you mugs. Oh, Memnite. <laughs> Dahlia. Dahlia and Memnite both with uh, with big things in the bits department. And then, now that was the weirdest possible way I could have phrased that, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Uh, Dahlia and Memnite with some enormous bits contributions. Y'all bits slinging out here. Pop, 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 pop. And then, of course, Plague Deity, uh, you know, hucking in subscriptions. So... <laughs> I appreciate you. Don't do it. I don't want to hear about it. 
Uh, Awkward Sushi says, hey Sam, how is Ike doing, the dragon? I will tell you. So, with this sort of, I, I've moved my desk and now my hope is to actually get rid of this green screen. I will, I'll sort of show you what's behind here right now as a matter of fact. So here's what it looks like back there at the moment. But my plan is to switch this around and eventually I want Ike to be like right behind me. I want y'all to be able to see Ike. I want to I want to forego the green screen. Um, I want to I want to like I want y'all to be able to see all of this behind me, and I want it to look cool. So I'm still like hunting for furniture, and as I've told y'all, I am frugal. When y'all are doing these things, like we're already at hype train level four because y'all are nuts, uh, and uh, Memnite and Dahlia, I'm uh, plague Didi with the gift subscriptions and. <laughs> Uh, all of that is going to go to a Goodwill somewhere nearby as I look for uh, furniture and, and stuff with which to stock this space. I don't, I don't pay above about $20 for a shelving unit. <laughs> Although, frankly, maybe I should at some point. Maybe someday, but not today, which means y'all are y'all are putting together quite a bit. Uh, I, I used it to get some of these can lights. I used it for some some stuff that will show up during book fair, and I will remind you all about book fair. Uh, book fair is coming up at the end of September. We've got our full lineup of stuff that we're going to be doing. As a matter of fact, let me head over there right now. Um, I have got the, where's my book fair tab over here in my spreadsheet. I use a spreadsheet to manage all of my live streaming stuff because I'm a big nerd. Um, Let's see if this works. It does indeed. So uh, I have got some. I've got some fun stuff here planned. Okay, let's. I mean, let's take a not too long a look at this, but a little bit of a look. Um, I'm planning on doing a craft bash. I want to do spooky stories. I want to do Lord of the Rings, the first chapters. I want to do sound bites. I want to do cooking stream, side karaoke, tabletop RPG session, some sort of one shot. Um, <laughs> Quiver and Arrow, which is, hey, that is a fantastic name. Hello, Quiver and Arrow. Thank you very much. I appreciate you. Um, Memnite is like, Memnite is throwing down. Yeah, Memnite, you don't, don't forget to like, don't forget to take care of yourself there. I appreciate it a ton. And you, you have like for a long time been uh, one of the, the top supporters of this channel. And that, that title is not going anywhere. You have for a long time done that. So I appreciate you a ton, but yeah, we got some we got some new guns up in the business here. Oh, yikes. Y'all are making me anxious with this. I got a raid and everything. Okay, so Quiver and Arrow, hello. I would love to know what y'all are about. Um, uh, alive with the glory of Flora. Uh, the Rainbow Wick aesthetic is fire. I'm glad you like it. Yeah, this is book fair. This is going to be our big uh, event at the end of September. Um, this is a week of streaming where I'm going to be doing all of the things listed on here. Uh, but, you know, Lord willing when the creek don't rise. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Dahlia, oh boy, Dahlia and Plague Deity are just annihilating those things. All right, well, that's another side karaoke song on the list. That's six, uh, another 200%, and I'll throw, a, I'll throw a seventh at you, you freaks. <laughs> oh boy. Side karaoke stream uh, among us and streaming with the the uh, Dahlia's Dark Room and your crew, um, the tabletop RPG session, uh, clue table read, which is going to be voices from y'all. All right, uh, I want to I want to get y'all in on that. We'll like switch off every scene or something. Whoever wants to voice stuff, you'll get a chance to jump in and do what I do via Discord. Um, Jackbox games, Phasmophobia probably is going to land on the list. Choose your own adventure. Minecraft and then Animorphs. I don't know what order all of this is going to be in, okay? This is not the final order still. I'm still still moving things around, but this is the final lineup of stuff. 
not the order, but just the stuff we're going to be doing. Alive with the glory of Flora. Uh, excuse me, the, the glory of Laura. Can somebody tell me, Quiver and Arrow, what you're all about? What brings you in here today? What, what stream are y'all coming from? Because uh, I think this might be... I think this might be the biggest raid I've ever had. Welcome. This is not so typically right now I'm I'm sitting here with a spreadsheet in front of me just getting absolutely annihilated by uh some of my <laughs> incredibly generous <laughs> folks here in the community. Uh Dahlia, Plague Deity, um and Memnite, y'all thank you very very much. I think the three of you like triple-handedly went ahead and took out this particular uh hype train and you got 30 seconds. I, d I doubt, I I'm not sure you can hit 400% in 30 seconds, but if you do, that's a seventh song for side karaoke. I'll sing whatever you want, as whichever character you want. But uh, yeah, for my raid folks, hello, my name is Sam, this is Sidecar Stories. I am a voice actor and streamer, and you can find me here doing story things specifically um, on Tuesdays through Thursdays. Tuesday, Vintage Sidecar, shed some light on Classic Lit. Murder on the Orient Express. Uh, we started that just a few weeks ago, so you'd still be able to catch it right near the beginning. On Wednesdays, tabletop RPG stuff. And then, of course, on Thursdays, y'all are here. You know what this is. This is Flying Sidecar, a voice actor's venture through some stories we all love. And, folks, that is it for me. <laughs> I gotta get out of here, because I'm, like, I'm at, like, an hour and a half past where I typically go. So, oh, good grief. And I'm at, I'm at, I'm, like... This is wild. Dylan Dean says, hey, bud, Quiver and Arrow are a TTRPG channel. I love it. I love it. Swansog says, I'm sweating, y'all. Okay, so they're doing a really cool project where they run different tabletop RPG systems every month. We just had stream two tonight. Okay, so um, I need you to link me to your Discord. I need you to head over into my Discord um, because I would love to hear about this. I am I am big on RPGs, and I'm an even bigger on playing different RPGs. Just, like, expand your horizons. Fifth edition is cool. It's not the coolest. <laughs> There are some cool, cool things out there. So, Dylan Dean, I absolutely would like to please hear about this. So, either you head to my Discord or I'll head to yours. You drop a link in chat there and I we'll figure it out. Um, Quiver and Arrow, y'all, fantastic name, by the way. Y'all are, y'all are, y'all are smart. Y'all are, <laughs> y'all are working the system well. Um, everybody, thank you very much for joining me. I apologize that you caught me right here at the very end of a stream. But I appreciate you very, very much. Thank you all for joining me. Um, any follows, I appreciate dearly. Uh, welcome to the Punk Ruffians. Welcome to Scooter Patrol. Uh, it'll be great to have you here if you want to join us for more stories in the future, because uh, that is what we do here. Stories. And if you want to find us doing specifically tabletop RPG stuff, Wednesdays are the day. Um, Y'all may be aware I am currently working through uh, a ton of world building with all of y'all. Um, right now we're working on factions for our uh, magical metropolis, but we're going to be expanding out and doing more more map work later on. You can find those over in the Realm of Recetus channel over in the Discord. And Plague Deity, Memnite, y'all are just like, y'all are just keeping me from... <laughs> from leaving the stream, from shutting the stream down. It's what you're doing. I'm being, hold on, wait, wait a second. I'm being held hostage. I didn't think I would recognize it when it happened, but I'm being held hostage. I think that's what this is. <laughs> and Dahlia's helping. You maniacs. All right, I gotta make sure I've got it in my notes here that y'all got a, a, a sixth side karaoke, like wild, like you're, you're feral. Y'all are feral tonight. Maybe, says Dahlia. Memnite says, oh, okay, now, everybody, 
here's what it, here's what I got for you. If you are still feeling like you know what, I just gotta I gotta throw something at Sam. The spot to do it is going to be on Patreon, okay? I, right now, I recognize it's slow. I'm still doing a ton of editing to catch up with the YouTube incident. Um, but once that is done, I'm going to be continuing to record things, uh, such as the the uh, Shelf Confidence podcast. I'm going to be continuing to uh, uh, post you know, things like the side karaoke clips and uh, different behind-the-scenes stuff. So Patreon is definitely the best place to go. Even if you are somebody who you just want to get in at the very lowest level, if a if you know quite a few of you do that, then that is enormously helpful to me. Um, I love Patreon. I love what they're doing, and uh, frankly, they've been very generous and very intentional about making it a good experience for the creators. So Patreon is the spot to go. You can find the link here inside the link tree. And with that, I'm going to escape all of you now. <laughs> it is a slow process, Memnite. Yes, indeed, indeed, indeed. Plague Didi says, "I'm just." Glad to be able to help to grow this channel as much as I can. It would be a very sad day if you ever had to stop. I tell y'all what, if if YouTube, if the YouTube thing had hit at a different time and y'all weren't, like, constantly giving me love here, that probably would have been the end of it. But instead, instead, y'all are up in here all the time, just, like, showering me with love, and I appreciate it endlessly. Which is the reason why I stream until 8.30 tonight. I'm typically done at 7. I must go. It's time. It's time for... I'm turning into a pumpkin. You're seeing it happen before your very eyes. Poor Mama Cass. Poor poor Bean Queen. I, I really gotta... I gotta get out of here. Um, but first, we're gonna raid over to Critical Role, because I don't think any of my other folks are streaming right now. Let's raid over there. Everybody, uh, and... and Yo. Uh, uh, Quiver and Arrow. Freaking fantastic. Uh, thank you very, very much for the raid. Uh, typically, I won't be streaming this late, but hey, if y'all are, I would love to raid over to you sometime. So hop into my Discord, or I will hop over to yours if you want to, you know, t tweet me a link or something. We'll figure it out. Thank you all very much. Everybody, come on in. We're going to raid over to Critical Role. I hope you're having an excellent night. I certainly have, and why is that? Now, why would that be? Well, it's because of all of you. I'll see y'all later. Bye-bye.